Hey, wherever you're at, would you uh, pray with me? God, I thank you for this time. Father, in time, Lord, you've worked out schedules just to get to this point where we can even film and, and prepare this, Father. I, I thank you that we live in a day and age where life and society can blow up, and yet there is the ability for whomever to watch to watch wherever they are at. And so, Father, this is not by accident. This is planned, and your Holy Spirit has worked through it. And so, Father, Holy Spirit, in being omnipresent, being everywhere, would you work now and in the future as this plays out? In your name, Jesus, amen. Hey, guys, a quick announcement uh, from the leadership. Uh, there has been some, some wrestling, and uh, what we saw through COVID is that cell phones have become like a, a thing that we're super attached to. So as we move back into the building, there, we're thinking through that. What we're going to start to uh, institute is a, a basket, and we're just going to ask everybody on their way into the building to drop their cell phones uh, into the basket so that during our experiences, it can be uh, distraction-free. Now, as I say this, like, what is your reaction? Some of you are like, to heck with this. No, resist. I ain't going to do crap with my, like, you have got to be kidding me. Some of you are watching this. You have your current frustrations with Wellspring, and you're like, well, that went over like a fart in a spacesuit. You're like, maybe you're like, hey, dude, come on. That's a little crazy. I like you, but... Or there might be the two of you that are watching that are saying, well, I'm good with Wellspring. I like Wellspring, and this is weird, but I'll find out more along the way. If you're my wife, when I was practicing this sermon in our living room, she looked at me and she said, the heck with you, I'm giving up my phone. Now, we're not doing that. That's just part of my opener. So if you have a response feel free to send your email to noreply at wellspring.one. You can go ahead and delete your cryptic social media post. We're not actually doing that. My point, though, is this, that relationships that, that are not present make it tough for rules. Or I'll say it differently. Rules devoid relationship never go over well. So I could say anything as a rule and elements of everything I just said is, is going to play out in regards to our reaction. I want to look at now the start of the Ten Commandments, the big ten, if you will. Here's what uh, God says in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of of slavery. He says this. This is the start to the, the Ten Commandments. We, we so quickly pass over this verse to jump to the Ten Commandments, but this sets everything up. This is the preamble. This is, this is, this is what is going to set up the whole reason that God can, can usher these rules or that he wants to usher these, these rules and these boundaries. The order is critical. He's giving the why to the relationship. This is a unique relationship. I am God. You are not. I did something in your midst. I brought you out of slavery. I delivered you now I'm asking for you to bring me glory through deliverance. This is, this is a picture that we have in the gospel, does, isn't it? God has delivered us. 
He's delivered us from our sin. He sent us Jesus. Jesus lived perfectly. We have forgiveness. There is deliverance in our forgiveness. Now it's deliverance unto obedience. So our big thought for this experience, what I want you to remember as we read the big 10, the 10 commandments is this, that deliverance sets up relational obedience. Deliverance sets up relational obedience. We cannot miss this point as we read the Ten Commandments. There's going to be two impacts. As we read Exodus 20, verses 3 through 21, God expresses two relationships that are impacted through now our obedience. The first is this. There's an impact with God. Deliverance sets up relational obedience. There is an impact with God. So here's, here's the first set of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make your, I should read it here, you should not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under, under uh, the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For the Lord your God, uh, for, I, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, knowing that he would be rejected, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. He is steadfast and always loving. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold uh, him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then he expounds on this. The six days you shall labor. Do all of your work, but the seventh day you shall, uh, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant uh, or your livestock or the sojourner uh, who is within your gates. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. These laws, these rules tell us about the lawmaker. What's the first commandment? No other gods. I will not share you. You are mine. Serve me exclusively. Don't set up rivals. There will be no rivals. Everybody, everybody worships something or someone. Idolatry is when we raise that worship above God. He's saying there in the early portions of, of the Ten Commandments, I want all of you. Then he goes on to say, respect my uniqueness. Respect me. Don't be flippant with my name. You bear my name. It, the, if, if you dig into that commandment, it's more than just don't, don't say JC inappropriately. It's, it's, not, it's not talking necessarily. That's a part of it. Don't be flippant with my name, but you bear my name name. So for those of us that have publicly declared ourselves, publicly said, put our faith in Jesus Christ, publicly or not, even like put our faith in Jesus Christ. Now you are a Christian. Do we rep, rep our king well? Are we repping Christ as part of our identity? And then he brings us to a place of rest, a focus of remembering that we should work hard and then worship God as we rest. There's a, there's a contrast here from when they were in slavery, working nonstop with no rest. But in our American culture, we have this so stinking out of balance. 
We have those grinding workaholics working all sorts of hours looking for praise for our workaholism. Then we have others that do no work while looking for a handout. God makes it clear. Work hard for six days, but don't neglect rest. We can argue all we want about the day, but never lose sight of the principle. The Sabbath is a gift to us. It's a benefit for us. That commandment is a blessing to us. I have, I'm still trying to learn how to respect a Sabbath as a, as a way to respect my God, but I've also found out that it's a way to respect my family and my, my wife. Now, this is a picture of my wife. I uh, shot her a text this week and said, hey, I'm going to put you up on the screen. Send me a picture of the one that, of the one that you want. So she sent me uh, this picture from when we were on uh, vacation. I asked her as I was preparing uh, this sermon, I was like, so what are, what are some of like, our rules in marriage? And we don't really have any rules per se, but there are some principles. There are some principles that, hey, we always want to be on the same page with our kids and with schedules and whatnot. Like we need to fight for them not to divide and conquer us. And so we always want to be on the same page. We understand that in marriage that when, when Ava and I have a, a healthy conflict, for it to be a healthy conflict, at times we're going to need some space. It's not space to avoid the conversation. It's space to say, hey, we need to give each other our best and we just need a little bit of space before we come back together and so that we can think well about it. There's, as, as we talked, I was like, there's really, there's no, I mean, there's some understood rules, I guess, but there's, there's really no rules. If I could think of any rule in our marriage, it's that, you know, remember that scene from Friends where they're like, when, when Joey's like, Joey doesn't share food. That's me. Like, there, if there is a rule in my marriage, like, Ava, hands off my food. Your food is free game for me, but I'm not going to give you any of my food. There's this, there's this known thing that daddy drinks a gallon of water every single day. So if we go to the park, if we go to the beach, and you come back to the car, and you're like, I'm dying of thirst, I'm dying of thirst, and then you say, is there any water? Yes, when we're in the car, and my kids say that, or something, like, they always look to me, is there any water for us to drink? And I I look at them holding this and say, no, there is not. I'm not going to let your cesspool of a mouth touch my gallon of water. It's never going to happen. Now, obviously, if they were actually dying, I would give them my water, but that's few and far between. But when I think about my marriage, there is genuinely a rule that says I will not share. The way I look at Ava, only I can look at her like that. The way Ava looks at me, only she can look at me like that. The way she talks to me, only, only she can talk to me like that. The way I talk to her, only, only I can talk to her like that. When I look at Ava, I look at her and I say, I will not share you, that this is exclusive. That communicates my love for her. When she looks at me and says, I ain't going to share you, that communicates her love for me, that there is a healthy boundary that is the exclusivity of the relationship. Could she communicate love to me by saying, hey, you go do you. I'll share you with whomever. That doesn't honestly communicate love. God looks at his people through these 10 commandments and he gives them this message. I will not share you. This relationship is exclusive. That is relational love. 
Can you communicate to your spouse you love them if you say, I'm willing to share you? Can you effectively parent all the kids in the world or at some point are you going to be neglecting your own kids? The context here is that love drives exclusivity. We have been delivered by Jesus into a relationship with God that has boundaries. So what's your re- reaction to boundaries? Might that mean that, that now is there, there's, a, there's a chance for a little bit of a heart check as we react to that? So, so there's an impact on our relationship with God. But there, secondly, there's an impact on our ones. Now, that's language that we use as we pray for one, as we think about those around us, as we think about those that do not know Jesus. There's an impact. So deliverance sets up relational obedience, an impact with God, and an impact with ones. Here's, here's how the Ten Commandments go on. Honor your father and your mother, that the days that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything else that is your neighbor's. This impacts how we handle and treat the people around us. The, the relationship that we have with God Almighty should be seen in our, in our love for, for, our fellow, for, for our fellow man, for, for others. Respect your family. Respect your father and your mother. There's no age requirement on that. Although over time it might look different, there is supposed to always be a level of honor for, for your family. Don't murder. Value all life. Every life has has a sacred portion to it as we are made in the image of God. Value life. Then he addresses sexual purity. But what I love about it is that my God is not a buzzkill. Now we look at that and we say, well, you big buzzkill God. No! Have all the stinking sex you want. Get married and never put clothes on again in your house. Who cares? Have sex in marriage. Do have sex. Enjoy one flesh. Good. But here's the boundaries to it. Then he talks about rejoice. Like rejoice that I'm a God that provides for you. You don't need to steal. I provide for you. Be a good steward. Handle what I have given you well. You don't need to steal. He talks about not lying, which is the most common interpretation. But he talks about also about bearing false witness. I mean, yes, there is an element of this like that is the, the courtroom scene. Be honest. Be trustworthy. Speak truthfully about people. But it also goes beyond that. Can you truthfully talk about someone that you've actually never talked to, spoken with? That's gossip. We talk a whole lot about people that we hear about from other people without ever actually talking to the person. God highlights now, our, uh, at, towards the end there, our twisted desires. He highlights the sin, ultimately, of discontentment. That, that sometimes our human nature is to forego being thankful and to go to a covetousness nature that we covet, we want, we desire more and more and more. But desire itself is a neutral word, isn't it? Like, I can desire God. That's good. I can desire my wife. That's good. But I can desire other things that are not good, or I can desire something that is good, but elevated above something that should not be elevated over, and then all of a sudden that becomes bad. Desire itself is a, is, is, is a neutral word, but what we do with it is when sin comes into play. When we elevate our desires 
above God and above honoring God. Ava and I have again had a conversation in recent days. We, we, it's kind of an ongoing conversation because like any parent, uh, it's easy to get stuck in like the no, no, no phase. And so Ava was saying it, I've been saying it, like we want to be those yes parents. And, uh, and so we thought through a few weeks ago about, um, about uh, our family values because that came up in a sermon. And uh, we're like, hey, our, the Coash family is going to be a family fueled by faith. And there's elements here for us to be yes people. And so my kids, uh, like, we need to give them a little rope. And especially my boys, like, let them go off and kind of venture off a little bit. And uh, we kind of have some boundaries laid out in our neighborhood of like, hey, busy street, can't cross that. Busy street, can't cross that. But, you know, if you want to go play with friends, fine. If you want to have friends over, fine. And, and, we, and we've been trying trying to do that a little bit more and more. And what's ironic is we give them more freedom to leave the nest. They're not really leaving the nest. They're bringing their friends back to our nest. And so that's, that's one thing. But I, I, had, I had a few meetings, and so I, I leave the house uh, with, with a whole bunch of kids at my house. And Ava calls me a few hours later as I was in between meetings. And she's like, you'll never guess. Uh, guess what happened? <laughs> the kids are in their rooms. It's been kind of a rough day. Uh, found the boys uh, playing, hide, playing, playing hide and seek with their friends. And uh, the boys went to the roof. Thought that would be a good hiding spot. I have boys. And, uh, and I was like, well, really, honestly, if you think about it, it's a phenomenal hiding spot. But Ava's a type six. She didn't see it funny. And, uh, and so that was bad, bad, uh, bad, bad, no, no. Uh, and, then, and then they started playing football. And one of my boys... Uh, got a little bit heated with a, with a friend, and then there was punching and pushing, and a whole slew of things came out. And so when Daddy got home, me and the boys had to have a conversation that basically just said, you violated family codes. Like, we're, we're the Coash family fueled by faith, praying for one. Telling people about Jesus is really important. That's part of our family code. You broke that. Because you can't effectively tell your friends about Jesus as you're punching them. They understood it. They were in timeout for, or grounded or whatever. They were punished for a little bit. And, uh, but, but that's important to us. Our faith fuels how we, our boundaries and how we handle other people, how we handle other relationships. Our relationship with God should drive how we handle our relationships in life. So how does your relationship with God inform your relationship with others? Does that trigger you a little bit? Does it set up certain boundaries? Does it inform the way you think about sex? Does it inform the, the, way, the time that you spend praying for people? Does it inform your generosity that God has been so generous to us? It's one of our values here at Wellspring Church that is, that is, a, is a value for us as a corporation, as an organization, but it's also something that we want embodied in our people. Why? Because God has been so good to us. How do I know? He came to earth with open hands, willing to take the cross. And yet sometimes his people take his open hands and walk around with closed fists. No, my God has been so generous to us. I want the generosity that's flowing out of me to show the generosity of God to the people around me. What is your reputation inside and outside of the church? If you right now started inviting everybody you know to church, would your character, your love, your generosity drive them to consider? Or would they respond with, you go to church? Deliverance sets up obedience. It impacts, uh, impacts uh, it has an impact with God. It has an impact with our ones. But then lastly, there's an impactful motivation. Here's, here's now our, how our text concludes. Now, when, when the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, uh, 
sometimes I guess God is okay with a light, uh, with a light show, huh? Weird. Okay. Anyways, uh, that's a different conversation. And the sound of the trumpet and the mountains, well, loud noises. Uh, and, and smoke. Smoke? Oh, my God. I'm, di- I'm digressing. And the people were afraid and, and trembled. And they stood all far and said to Moses, you speak to us and we listen, but, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. They're asking, they're asking Moses to intercede. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for the Lord God has come to test you, and that the fear of him may, may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the, uh, to the thick darkness where God was. <laughs> Just because you have a relationship doesn't mean that you respect the relationship. There's fear here. There's, there's an element of reverence and, and respect to the point where you can see that when how they talk to Moses. Moses, intercede for us. We are, we willingly, we want to obey. This relationship is good. It's driving us to a place of reverence. It's driving us to a place of holiness. It's driving us to where we should be. But then there is this reality. The reality is they will fail over and over again. The reality is as they ask Moses to intercede for them, Moses himself will fail. But praise God. Praise God for a mediator that has never failed. God sent his perfect son to fulfill the law in every respect. He wasn't like Moses. He was greater than Moses. He paid the penalty of the law as only he could in, because he was perfect. There's no man, woman, or child ever that ever has been or ever will be that, that has kept it or will keep it perfectly, but the Son of God did. He paid the penalty of our sins as only who he could as the perfect Son of God. He lived the life that we could not live and died the death that we should have died. The law drives us to Jesus, and then the Spirit empowers us to a place of obedience. One of my biggest pet peeves as a dad with my close friends or family or just the randos that come over my house sometimes. One of my biggest pet peeves is people that, that, that parent my kids in front of me. They think that they can be an additional parent to my kids uh, as I am the parent. The, no, you can't come over my house and give my kids a bedtime. No, you can't punish my kids. No, you can't tell my kids that's not how co-ashes act. It's my blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into them. I play catch with them. I labor in prayer for them. I, without any element of thinking, would take a bullet for them. My relationship with them, my love for them, drives my pet peeve that, no, I don't want you parenting my kids. That's my responsibility. I think God's, God is sometimes peeved when we let ourselves be parented by another. I think he gets peeved when we think we have arrived to a place of self-parenting. So here's my challenge for us as we leave this. As we leave this, this experience here, my challenge is this. It's very ambiguous, but I want to drill it home just a little bit. My challenge is this. Embrace relationship. Like any relationship, it can start off where somebody's very selfish. It can, it can grow to where somebody becomes selfish, or there can be times where there's pockets of selfishness. My challenge to you is in, in saying embrace relationship. If you said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, you call yourself a follower of Jesus. It is time to ask a trusted friend. If you don't have a trusted friend like this, you need to get into a life group. You need to get into a mentoring type relationship. Check out our website for take twos. 
You need, to, you need to be able to embrace this challenge by asking a trusted friend, where am I selfish before God? Do I lack reverence and respect in my finances? Do I lack reverence and respect in my other relationships? Do I lack reverence and respect when you and I both know there might be something in my closet? So when I say embrace the relationship, you have a relationship with holy God. It's time to look at ourselves and say, is there any place where I'm being selfish in this relationship? But if you're not there yet, if you, if you came into this online experience or wherever you're watching or you're just tuning in because you're, the person next to you is, is watching, whatever it might be, maybe you've been looking at this relationship with God as something completely different. You've been looking at it as religion. A, a whole bunch of thou shalt and thou shalt not. I just do this. I check off boxes and I'm good to go. No, what we see here, the way the Ten Commandments is set up on the front end is a reminder this is not a religion. This is truly a relationship. Jesus made a way for you and I to have a healthy relationship with God Almighty. It is yours. It is yours. He died for all of mankind. And so to say, to challenge you to embrace relationship is to challenge you right now to say, no more religion. I want the relationship. And so if that is you, I challenge you to take it now. Would you pray with me? God, I know that I am preaching this on a Tuesday, but I know there will be people watching this and for the days to come. Lord, I know that you can move because you are, you are beyond time. Father, right now, as people watch this, as they are intrigued, as they are conflicted, as they are, are maybe looking at the Ten Commandments and saying that, that they have failed. Lord, you have forgiven. You bring grace. You are mercy. And so, Father, I pray in this moment, where whenever this moment takes place, that there would be men and women that call on your name. And they would do so in, in some manner like this. God, I see your standard, and I have failed. I have not been perfect. I have sinned. I have wronged you, holy God. And I am sorry. To think of you in all of perfection and then to think of my wrong brings me to a place where I know I need forgiveness. I understand that Jesus died for me. I understand that, that your wrath meant for my sin was taken out on Jesus. I accept it today on faith. I accept it in Holy Spirit. Empower me to be more like your son. Empower me to live as he lived. I thank you for his life given to me. In your name, amen. If that is something that you prayed, there will be a link below. Please fill out that link that said, I said yes to Jesus. We want to connect with you. If you can't see that link, maybe you're watching on Boxcast or something else, would you send us an email, info at wellspring.one. We want to connect with you. This relationship is the most serious relationship you could ever know or you could ever have, and we want to partner with you and move forward, not to leave you where you are right now, but to grow 
in the likeness of Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.